Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam Balderstone for a new episode of Strange World of Songling. I've been talking about a campaign that I'm kind of working on and trying to sort of, you know, do some uh, foundational ideas on reading uh, stories from Strange Tales from a Chinese Studio, and I wanted to bring Adam on to kind of see if we could bounce ideas and if I could get uh, his reaction to some of the stories. And uh, so, we, you know, I think I've done the first four stories so far out of the uh, uh, Chinese classics version of Strange Tales from a Chinese Studio. And today we're on to, I believe this is the fifth. I'm not keeping very good track of the numbers. Uh, Adam is using the Penguin edition, though, so it's a different number story in that in that collection of the uh, of the book, I think. Um, but we're doing a, a story called The Theft of a Peach, and I believe in your version it's called Stealing Peaches. Is that is that correct? Uh, stealing Peaches sounds correct to me. Let then, me... Uh, uh, stealing a Peach. Stealing a Peach. Okay, so it was actually... For some reason, I thought it was Stealing Peaches. Uh, so so they're, they're both accurate in terms of the number of peaches being stolen. And, uh, and we're also... <laughs> and after this one, we'll do um, Planting Pears. Um, ah, but for any peaches stolen at all, no. <laughs> that's we'll the, that question. So, so all right. So, do you want me to give the breakdown of the story before we get into yeah, it? Yeah, let's do the breakdown first, and right. so we can get into all it. All right. So basically, it's spring festival, and this um, I don't know. He's a, I think he's presented as a as some kind of magician or miracle worker. Uh, uh, appears before a, 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 I think a group of magistrates or something at the Yamans. Uh, residence i can't remember the exact uh premise there but basically mm-hmm. that he says that he's able to transform things and so they say well can you materialize a peach for us and he says well this time of year when everything's sort of frozen over the only place where i could get a peach would be um like basically going up into into heaven and and taking it from the the garden of the the mother queen of the west and he he ends up doing this sort of magic rope trick thing where he throws a uh, a rope or a ladder up into the sky and his his son climbs up and throws down a peach but then soon after his son's head falls down and then a leg and then a dismembered corpse it's very gruesome uh and so he is grief stricken he gathers up the body of his son puts him into this trunk and then says you know can i please have uh you know, money for funeral expenses at which point he opens up the trunk and his son comes out and is uh, you know, perfectly intact. And so, uh, you know, the, the question is, you know, whether whether this was actual magic or whether this was uh, slight, you know, David Copperfield type magic going on. And so I don't know what was your reading of the story? Well, it's interesting, actually, because I was familiar with this from in like there's there's some Indian version of this story. I seem to remember reading as a kid. It's like the Indian rope trick thing which is where I knew it from. As I was reading this story, I'm like, climbing up the rope reminds me of that old Indian rope trick story. And I remember there was something about body parts being Mm. thrown down. And then I got to the next part. I'm like, hey, this is, I don't know which comes first, but there seems to be an an Indian variant of this story that, uh, and I think... I think there's a rope trick spell in D&D there is. There that is. is based off of this as well, which yeah. I always associate it with the uh, Indian story. I don't know. Maybe they're the exact same I, story, just in a different well, telling. So number one, I think my understanding is Strange Tales from a Chinese Studio was 
I mean, Pu Songling wrote them. He rendered them into their literary form. But he was gathering these stories oh, for people. Oh, sure. Yeah. So there were like folk tales. It's, I mean, maybe, maybe, who knows? Maybe there was an Indian story and somebody, you know, you know, knew the story and then told him. I, I don't, I don't, I, I know nothing about those kinds of things. But I know that oh, when yeah. I read this, I had the same feeling. I was like, I've read this story before somewhere, uh-huh. but it was definitely not here. Like I've definitely encountered this story or a story a lot like it. Um, so you know, who, I don't know. Maybe everybody has a an Indian rope trick Indian story. Rope but, <laughs> yeah. And the D and D spell also. That was something that I definitely thought of. I was like, oh yeah, that that that, that sounds like the D and D spell to me. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah. So that this is interesting. This was familiar to me. But uh, sorry, was there an actual question you asked? Me oh, just what was your? Well, because well, you had started off by saying, but was the peach actually stolen? Oh, okay. And yeah. So, well, that's that's the question. I mean, yeah. Like I'm saying, if he if he didn't really go to heaven, then he didn't steal this giant mm-hmm. peach from heaven, which I guess raises the question: Where did he get the giant peach? But, uh, um, but it's a. Uh, but the next yeah, story I mean, kind of answers that question to a degree, doesn't it? Because, well, I don't want to skip ahead, but you know what I mean. Yeah, like that 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 could potentially be it. But I mean, well, like I said, the the man. But yeah, there's there's a lot of interesting, intriguing things in this story. I one thing I really like, just to go on an aside here, is I I was just struck. I liked you know this this story is a pretty fantastical kind of telling of this weird thing that happens but i like the way it opens with a little description of the festival and the procession and about the four mandarins and how i was too young at the time to know who they were and yeah it's just such a it's such a true memory statement to have that one line Mm -hmm. that it adds this whole level of authenticity to this completely unbelievable story i just yeah i it's from a writing perspective i just that line i was like "Ooh, that's that's good stuff just the whole way the groundwork for it is laid out where it's just like it's it's a really believable sense of this was like a real event of some kind and this sort yes. of came out of that event and yeah I, I agree with you on that a lot of the stories do a good job with that with this one i the one that's uh, well once you answer the question first do you think it was real or do you think it was sleight of hand or does it not really matter well, here, I mean, here's the even if you get into the 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 real or fake question, there's a question beyond that that it's like, okay, well, if we accept he didn't really send his son up into heaven on a rope, did he still use like an illusionary magic to make it yeah. look like he did? Like, is he using magic to pretend? Like in the you know, I, I'm thinking of the the Clive Barker story, The Lord of Illusions was yeah. based up. It's different than the movie, but using using uh fake illusions to uh do real magic but uh uh yeah i don't know um my actual interpretation uh yeah well i, I don't i think i think obviously there's there's trickery going on i don't think the story makes as much sense if you assume you really went into heaven i'm so i mean i think i think the story's only clever if it's a trick if it's, so if it's a trick it has yeah. to be a trick yeah because the way it ends with the boy coming back it's like you know it, it feels like a premeditated sleight of ha- sleight of hand magic thing, right? Like that. Yeah, it's it's just very notable. I don't, at least the, in my translation, the, there's. Um, actually, was it? I don't know if it was this story, or the other one. Let me look up. Uh, it might have been. I just want to look up the ending. Uh, okay, so here was this line in your version of the story. Uh, I remember this even now because it was such an amazing feat of magic. 
Later, I heard that the White Lotus cult was capable of such wizardry. Um, could these two have perhaps been among its latter-day adherents? Uh, similar to this day, to this very day, I have never forgotten this extraordinary performance. I later learned that this rope trick was a specialty of the White Lotus sect. Okay. Surely this man must have learned it from them. So, okay. Okay. So, I, so, so it's, it's interesting cause it's, it, it, I, I, I do wonder like maybe he's not actually sending him into heaven, but is it still like you're saying, like, is it still possible there's some magic involved? Um, it's a, it's a little hard to to really know um so oh, can you hear me adam looks like we uh oh, adam are you still there i am back okay i so, was not there i could okay. not hear you for a bit there so but so so just to to to, to get back to the point which was i you know it, it, it could be it could there could still be a little bit of magic in there it seems based yeah on, you know, um, yeah, and I mean, given the book, there's no reason to assume that magic isn't involved. The, that, uh, it's just different magic than what you think it is. I was actually, it's funny, because I was kind of, on the one hand, I was pleased by the ending when he reveals his son is is safe and sound. And you know, yeah. it was like, okay, it's like a clever trick. On the other hand, if it ended with, with like the justice of the theft of the peach results in the son being decapitated, there was sort of a charm to that ending if that were the ending as well like i was i i i feel like it might have been a little bit more interesting to me if it didn't go the sleight of hand direction and it and it uh because it's really horrifying when like you know because the, the judge is like oh get us a peach and he's like okay well it's really hard and then he he you know and it's obviously yeah. part of his thing like it's very stagey but if, if it were if the stakes were really that high he sent his up to his son up to steal a peach from a god and, and yeah. the sun gets caught. I don't know that. I, I think that's very ominous and kind of more. Uh, it's a very Daedalus and Icarus kind of thing. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, what's interesting about this story getting, I mean, is that it feels like at some point there was just the story of the guy sending his son up to heaven and him getting cut to pieces. Mm. And this is like a, later mm. <laughs> version of that story where they put oh but what if it was all a trick okay so okay. i don't know to me it feels like I, that story you're describing probably existed in some form at some point and this is the this is the evolution of that mm. story so the, the way it's presented in this way it definitely wraps it up in a nice, nice little package right like it yeah. definitely has a uh, a little bit of a punch to it and and also i don't know i like I like the way sleight of hand is sort of done in these stories where it, it's presented in a way where like, I, I don't know how to describe it, but they don't, they, they sort of present it as if you have been uh, uh, affected by the illusion as well. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They don't, they don't give you any indication that it's an illusion. You're, you're, you're just like everybody else in the audience. That's just as blinded by the magic of it. So, yeah. We're, we're not sitting on the, the old guy's shoulder, you know, as, as him as the protagonist yeah. and us seeing him trick everybody. We're yeah. part of the audience. Yeah. <laughs> well, like I remember when I was a kid, there was a, a magician who came to our school and he had a box and he held the box out to the crowd and he put something in the box and it disappeared. And, you know, it just vanished. Now, when he turned the box towards me, the light from the 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 ceiling reflected off of the mirror that was at a tilt, and so 
you know, so it's so like the illusion was broken for me. Do you know what I mean? And, and, uh-huh. and I feel like a lot, a lot of stories like this, like, like one way that, that we often go is we put that person that saw that is the person in the story that, that whose account we're hearing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but we, you know, so there's no, there's no sign of that. It's, it's just, we're, you know, we're, we're just as subject to the illusion as, as everybody else. Um, but yeah, so in terms of, uh, and obviously these are kind of odd stories to enter into this discussion with, cause they're not, this is not a super gameable, though we did see D D came up with a spell from it. Right. But, uh, yeah. this is not a super gameable story in the same way that like stories about Fox spirits and stuff like that are. But, um, you know, as I'm reading through these, I'm trying to come up with like this concept for how I'm going to do the 10 courts of hell as a campaign sort of thing. And I'm trying to extract inspiration from these stories. Like what did anything jump out at you when you read it? Or was it sort of just like, I don't know how I would turn this into gaming content. Okay. Reading this from a gaming perspective, just sent my brain to one place, which Mm. was one of the, one of the classic things people like to talk about in role-playing games is how to handle illusions. Okay. It's just, and things you can do with illusions, things you can't do. And I'm like, I think, you know, looking at this story, the most useful thing to it is for a player to read it and be like, oh, that's a really cool thing I could do with an illusion spell, you know, just to get people out of the, you know, look for, look what, what are really clever little tricks you can pull on people mm. rather than I'm going to make it look like there's a dragon here to scare away mm. the goblins or something, you know, just doing more elaborate ruses with your illusions so i uh well i think also if you're going down that route one one thing it leads me into is the whole the importance of 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 the sales pitch for the illusion right yes that's definitely so this guy sets up you know Oh, I got. There's no peaches here. I got to go up to the gardens in heaven, and you know, and, and, and the oh, so much yeah, work. Yeah. And afterwards, oh, my son yeah. is gone. Yeah. Oh, I have been. I got you the peach, and I lost my son. Yeah, exactly. It's all a. It's all a performance. Yeah. And it's. It's like yeah, if you're playing an illusionist, and you know, we'll stick with D and D for the moment. But uh, if you're playing an illusionist. It's not just about the spell. It's about everything you do around that spell yeah. to make the spell more effective. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's the, the lesson I would take from this. But. And so so when I was doing when I was reading it, I was I was thinking just in terms of the campaign that I've been trying to come up with. And there's obviously 10, 10 courts, which are kind of, mm-hmm. and I don't quite know what those are going to be. because I don't want to have them be the literal 10 courts of hell. I want to have my own campaign setting I can have fun with that's yeah. sort of inspired so like almost like the other 10 courts of hell that you've never heard <laughs> about do you know what i mean but yeah. so i was thinking well i like the idea of that being one way to potentially get from one realm to another of there being maybe a magic item or something that would allow you to get through the realms but then that section of the story when he talked about the sun climbing up the rope and yeah i don't know how he described it in your translation cause it's been a while since i've read that one but in this translation, he said he was like a spider climbing up the filament. Uh, hmm. Do you know what I mean? And that immediately, I was like, "Ooh, what if you had like, what if, what if those were the things in this world that were capable of moving between? Like, you, ha- the only way to get from one court to the other, if the magistrate doesn't allow you to, 
is to contend with like some kind of spider demon that's got the ability uh-huh. to you know as so i was thinking that might be, like visually that's cool but i don't know in terms of practical campaign setting stuff i don't know how well it would work uh almost almost like guardians and facilitators at the same time do you know what i mean like these okay. and these very dangerous guardians who could potentially escort you from one court to the other but or who you could you? also could potentially <laughs> convince to you know what i mean like you know I, I just feel like it, it would add a love a layer of of interesting world building to the, it to would the setting. Be. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're considering these entities too, I mean, it could be fun over the course of the campaign. There's these entities between worlds. There's things that can happen elsewhere in the campaign yeah. that increase or lower your favor with those entities. So it's like, oh, well, if I do this, it's going to make it easier for me to get from this world to this world. But I'm going to piss off this entity. It's like just, I don't know, it could be a, a one well, way to form it. Well, what I know is there will be karma. So there'll be white karma and black karma. Okay. So maybe having car- like your karma level might be important. Also, yep. money, like bribing magistrates and stuff is a thing. And uh-huh. I'm still trying to figure out how, because you're dead. So what I'm thinking is maybe you're reliant on your family burning your Ah. money to you know what i mean so maybe if you have enough money and what i've been trying to think of is well what can player characters do to get the money from their their loved ones and so one one possibility i was thinking of was allowing players to haunt the the realm Mm -hmm. of man as ghosts Uh um Uh you know so i'm sort of you know and again i don't want again this is just a campaign it's not a new game so i only want anything i do i want to be like okay it's got to be stuff I can easily slap on to straight. Yeah, tales. you don't want to have to design a whole ghost RPG yeah. to uh, put on top yeah. of this. I understand. But but what I was thinking as well, maybe there's a way for a player character to temporarily become one of the ghosts in the book. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, okay. And then you know, if they haunt somebody sufficiently, they'll burn money for them, and they'll they'll have money. You know, like that might be one way to to you know. But maybe doing that would lower your karma rating, right? Because you're you're doing something kind of bad. You're you're haunting people in order to get money. So um, basically, you're basically playing Beetlejuice, really. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So, so that was something I was thinking. Um, and and I th- I think that was those are the two main things that I had sort of thought of. This this was definitely a story where it's like, you know, it's 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 a little hard to extract solid adventure concepts, but you can still get some. If at the very least. Like if I were making a new game, this would be useful because it would be like, like you said, like a whole spell that you could add to the game or a skill or some kind, you know. um, uh, Yeah. I mean, I could see you doing kind of a mechanic to kind of represent like, you know, how some games have kind of systems for like, like how Pendragon has its whole winter system. It's like, oh, here's what happened in the winter when you, when, when we weren't really playing Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So it's like, that would probably be the best way to handle it is just have something that, Okay, who's doing a haunting between this session and the I others? Get you. And, okay, uh, that that could certainly work. No, that could that work. Could be, that could yeah. work. There could be like a downtime. Again, I don't. I'm still thinking it through because when I used to run the sort of underworld campaigns, it was always more tailored to specific instances of character death, and it was. And so yeah. this is sort of more general. It's like I just want to start with a party that's in hell, and um, yeah, and so you know, and if and uh, you know again if. If, 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 if circumstances arise that allow me to have a party that I'm currently working with as a total party kill, but that's unlikely to happen. So yeah. I think uh, we'll just start out from there. But I don't know, any, any other thoughts on this story? 
Uh, not off the top of my head. No, I, uh, no, it's, this was a this was the first story I read in the book, and I just have to say I really I really enjoyed it. It's it, it is it, it, the writing is very good on top of uh, the story itself being interesting. Yeah, they really grab you, and they're very digestible. They're not they're yeah. not they're not wait. I mean, some of the stories get up to like fifteen pages, maybe. I think I think there might be a couple that are even longer, but mostly mostly they're quite oh. short. This was um, this was four pages and one of those stories was an illustration. So it's yeah. I mean, if you're it's like oh, a book from 1600s translated. Uh, it sounds sounds really rough, but it's like no. This is you just pick it up, read three pages, you're done, and that's can, it. And can, they, can you see why these are turned into movies so much? Because it's like oh, yeah. You just you number one, it's it's they're, they're vague enough that nobody who reads it is, is going to make the same movie unless they're no. modeling it after another movie that was based on it. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. so like, you know, there's been a bunch of uh, Chinese ghost stories that are obviously references to the earlier movies that are based on that. But like the, the stories have enough room to be creative and, and you don't necessarily need more than five pages to to give you the, like the core idea is sort of given to you fairly quickly often. So it's, yeah. Not, well, yeah, to say something more about this story on that on in that direction, it's 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 fascinating the way there are all these things kind of going off the page. I mean, you know, when the mandarins ask this holy man what is uh what what he can do, and he's like, I can make the seasons go backwards and turn the order of nature upside down, mm. and they tell him, Well, we want a peach, <laughs> and. And but it's like that that whole thing of what he said he could do ahead of yeah. time. Well, what does that involve? Being yeah. able to turn the seasons backwards and they, like I said, the story doesn't even really even get into that. But that sentence is there, and that suggests so much more that the story doesn't even go into. But you could take that somewhere. So. And then, and there's a lot like that. That's one of the good things about these. Is if you if you if you notice that line, then you you know you can use that as the basis for something really interesting. Yeah. So um so yeah why don't we move on to um what is it uh planting Gro pears is that what was it called in i have growing pears is what Gro i have you know okay. planting pears yeah yeah well let me make sure maybe i got the title wrong it's always mm. a possibility um in my version <laughs> it was called planting pears planting pears um and so this one was kind of a this was this is sort of like a snapshot, right? Like it's not like it's like it's, it's sort of a story, but it's, it's it, you know, there's a there's a vendor selling pears and a Taoist, like like a wandering Taoist who's you know kind of dressed shabbily, if I remember, uh, yeah. begs begs him for a pear, and the vendor is like, oh, you know, go away, I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to give you a pear, and uh, and he and, and he refuses, but then uh, a local shop boy buys him a pear, and he eats the pear and he plants the core, and they a tree grows and he starts giving pears out to people from this tree that just miraculously appears and then the vendor realizes that all of his pears are gone and that what's happened is he, the guy has just stolen his pears and uh and, and so it's a it's yeah what's what's your what were you saying yeah this, this story is great. I love it. I, one thing, it just feels like something would happen in Jack Vance novel or mm -hmm. something too, which which charms me. But the uh. <laughs> I, I I love the fact that it's like 
the early part of the story up to the point where you find out the guy just stole all his pears. It feels like a Christian parable or something. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, he <laughs> who hoards all his wealth. Well, there's wealth throughout the world and, you know, blah, blah. And I don't know. It feels it feels very parable-like. But ultimately, it's like, nope, he was just stealing all. I mean, he was doing it because of the guy's greed. So there yeah. is still a moral element to it. But it's... Uh, there's just, there's just comp. It just, it just has this complicated layer to it because of that. <laughs> and, yeah, it's, it's, it's very amusing. It's a very amusing it, it, story. It uh, is, it is, and I mean, just the, that's the elements too. I love the things that. Go, going back to the, you know, we saying in the previous story about the lesson. Oh, when you do an illusion, you kind of have your stagecraft. You work around the illusion. The way it's like, oh, I need boiling water. Go get me some boiling water so I yeah. can pour it here. And it's just this guy has to run and get the water and get it boiled and everything. It's nothing to do with what he's doing. It's just, <laughs> it's just a showmanship. But uh, it's just, oh, I'm doing a magic trick here, so I need this. But uh, but yeah, in this case. You know, the other one has very much the element of was there any magic involved at all? What really happened? And this one, it just seems like it was all just some kind. Of, I mean, I don't know how he did it. I couldn't do this yeah. trick, but he, the way he uses the uh, cart handle as the tree and everything, and like it makes it fairly concrete that it was pretty much all trickery. I think. Yeah, yeah, no, I think I think that's definitely what's going on here. And I think it's one of these kind of hand wavy explanations. Do you know what I mean? I think I don't think it's like it's not. Like, obviously, no. in a modern-day movie or something, you might be required to sort of set this up more and explain how he's doing it. But this is one where it's like, you just have to accept that he's able to do this somehow. Whether that's, you know, he's pointing and he, when the guy's not looking, he's grabbing the peaches sneakily. Yeah. Who knows? But, you know, we're, we're going to assume that he's able to do this. Um, and there might be yeah. details. He might have an... Who knows? Maybe he's got an assistant helping him or something. You know they, exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, well, like you said with the last story, we're not we're part of the audience here, so it's like we don't know how. You know, he could have like a whole bunch of urchins working for him that are working the crowd, but whatever. But it's, but yeah, this one this one was funny. There was and there was that parable element in the commentary at the end of the story, um, but uh, but I still think this is just an amusing, you know, so it's sort of like an instant karma, but like in a very I don't know, you know, like, you know, uh, it's almost slapstick, the, the, the humor here. It just, it just, it, it just, uh, the story just makes me laugh every time I read it. And, and it's, and again, we're not even really get cause a lot of the stories in strange tales are legitimately about the supernatural and stuff. So it's yeah. interesting that the first two stories that you're starting on, it's really doesn't see it's, I mean, they're really not supernatural at all. I mean, you know, it's questionable in the first story. First you could one, make an yeah. argument, but I think really it's not. And this one definitely isn't either, you know, unless again, it's something where there's actual magic involved and he's, his magic requires that peach, that the pears yeah. be there, but that doesn't seem to be the case. Either, either way they're, 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 whether there's magic or not, they're both trickery. It's yeah. kind of the, the core, the core element of both stories. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. So, um, so yeah, in terms of gaming, did you get anything from this one, or was it? Uh... Uh, this one's hard. Um... This one's hard for sure. <laughs> well, once again, like I said, it, it just honestly, this would be a fun little thing just to throw into a session, just to have the players around when it happens. Like if you wanted to introduce some character that was a trickster character into your campaign, just having the character show up in a market. 
and this guy shows up and starts begging the guy selling pears to, you know, and just watching the guy do this trick. And it would be a, it, it, it would just be a fantastic, uh, sorry, I got, I got a phone call there at distracted. Oh, that's me. okay. That's my okay. train of thought here. Uh, but the, uh, where, where was I going there? Get me back on track here. Um, I. That's okay. Yeah. I, I got, I got a little bit lost there myself. Um, but no, I actually, when you were doing that, I was actually, I was actually wondering cause I, cause I did the penguin edition of this. Uh, yeah. when I did uh, on the blog for, for Ogre Gate, I, before I did strange tales, I went through all the stories in the penguin edition and tried to game them. And, and I was like, well, what did I actually do for the story? Because I don't remember. And I was like, what could I possibly have done? And and it looks like what I did was I made up a new category of ritual called Magic Trick, which was, okay. you know, which, uh, uh, and it says the only major difference is uh, you don't, so it's, let's see. Uh, and, and basically, yeah, so basically using sleight of hand, smoke powders, misdirection to get the audience to believe you're performing an actual magical uh, you know, ritual or trick of some kind, but really it's just sleight of hand. It's just, yeah. You know, um, and so, you know, I, th I thought that was, uh, you know, you know, that's, 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 so I, I, I would say I had a very literal interpretation of the story in terms of gaming it. Um, this time around what I was actually thinking when I, like say I've been writing mar notes in the margins on what I, what I would like to do. And the, o the only thing I could come up with today for this one and again, I'm pretty sure that there's like a magic item for this in D and D or something because I know I've done something like this before. I think there was some magic beans or something, but a uh -huh. magic item like that, like seeds that you plant, and they can sprout different things. Do you know what I mean? Uh huh. And um, and again, I think this also is very modeled after the magic beans. But the idea being, you don't necessarily know what they're going to be. Um, you know, I, I like that idea. So, but what I was thinking is maybe. Maybe these are like special seeds in the courts of hell that certain people know the makeup of. Like if a magistrate has them, he might know, oh, this one produces a demon and this one produces, you know, a fruit tree. And, yeah. you know, this one produces a group of beneficial servants to help you. But if you don't have access to that information, it's kind of a crapshoot. <laughs> what, will, yeah, yeah. what will come up? So, um, but yeah, I... Uh, um, yeah, that, that was my thought at least. I don't know. So yeah, going back, I, I do have my 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 head on straight again now. So yeah, I was just saying, I think it would be a fun way to introduce a trickster NPC where you kind of had the players stumble into this story happening. And I mean, maybe mm. they'll just watch it'll play out the same. Maybe they'll get involved. But even if they do nothing and just you do it quickly, obviously you don't want to keep your players like watching something for a long time. But it's, it's two page story. I mean, you could do this in a couple of strokes and and have it happen, and then. Then, basically, if that NPC is going to be important down the road, you've established this trickster NPC by the players actually seeing him do something really clever, and it, you know, just it's much better than going, "Oh, this guy's a trickster," you know, okay. just uh, just just so players have this 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 feeling about the NPC before you really kind of use them for with or against the characters. So that could be a fun approach. So yeah, and so and just to to let people know, like the one of the reasons why this is so fun is the idea is you're going through the story and you're forcing yourself to come up with game inspiration, and 
it really it, sometimes it's obvious sometimes you get a story it's about like a tree demon that's haunting a village and it's like oh i know exactly what i'm going to do with that but sometimes yeah. it's about a guy who's got like you know a magic grapefruit and you know that that, that talks and it's like okay what am i going to do with this magic grapefruit that talks like you know, it's, it's a little yeah. less obvious and that's probably a bad example because that would actually be pretty easy but sometimes it's it's very it's a challenge and it kind of it's kind of like I don't know. It's like resistance training for design. Do you know what I mean? It, it like yeah. it forces you to, to work a little harder. Um, now, Adam, the next story I have in the book is uh, the Taoist priest of Lao Shan. I think it might be called the Taoist priest of Mount Lao in your version. Um, do you have that story in there anywhere? The next one I have is the Taoist priest of Mount Lao. Okay, so, so that that's the next one that I'm that, that in in this book. So we can do that one next. Great. Um, but uh, but yeah, so so again, we're just going through. I, I, I mean, this could take forever. You know, this is we're not going to necessarily be doing this every <laughs> single day. And I'll obviously because there are more stories in here that aren't in that one. I'll be doing some, you know, just on my own again. Um, but uh, but I want to get Adam's two cents, and I also want to see Adam's reaction to Strange Tales from a Chinese Studio in general. Um, so so yeah, so so those uh, uh, again, it was. Uh, uh, the theft of a peach and planting pears were the two stories we did. And it, there it's from strange tales from a Chinese studio. Like I was saying last time, the Chinese classics edition is really expensive. So I would just recommend getting the penguin, uh, the penguin translation. Um, who, who translated that? Was it Minford? Is that the name of the guy? Oh, translated by John Minford. Yep. You got it. Yeah. His, his translation's really good good i i really like just in terms of the prose i can't comment on the the accuracy but in terms of the, the prose is great i yeah. really enjoyed reading these stories yeah so uh so yeah so with that we'll uh we'll uh head out and uh, we'll be back on next time